0: name. As usual, I've overprepared. I have too many notes. I have too many scripture references, Lord. But somehow, some way, Holy Spirit, take charge. Father, let not anything proceed here that has not your total seal of approval. Father, let every word, let every gesture, let everything be by Holy Spirit. It is you that we want glorified in this place this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So now we've been for weeks now, in um, spiritual ruts. And remember the premise is that you know, the church, I believe, is in a spiritual rut. And if we compare ourselves, and which we will look at today, uh, compared to the early church, the first church, the Church of Acts, the church, I mean, it's, it's so plain to see that we don't resemble them hardly at all. And I don't mean that to be an indictment on individuals. However, we do need to look at individuals because individuals are what makes up the church. So if the church is in a spiritual rut, then that would point to us as individuals. And so that's always what this Bible is. This Bible is a mirror where I'm reading it and it's reading me. I'm looking at it and it's looking back at me, telling me, you know, what needs to be fixed? What needs to be changed? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, we're going to have some scriptures that we're familiar with, uh, you know, bring us all up to speed. Some that we've been hovering around for for weeks now. But my prayer is, again, that uh, God uses every word for His glory and for your betterment in Jesus' name. So, in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, all the time, this is the, some of the most uh, prudent advice that any pastor, minister, any Christian can give to someone else who's struggling or who's trying to advance in the Lord. Don't let anything mess with your mind. Don't let anything influence what you think, what you say, what you do. Don't Fill yourself with anything other than Holy Spirit. Be always in the process of being filled with God. Amen? So now let's look at verse 19 together. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things uh, to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. My brothers and sisters, as we look at this, and as we see where the Apostle uh, by the Holy Spirit is speaking that we should always be in this process of being filled, with spirit, this is what part of that looks like. He gives us, the spirit does give us uh, kind of a vision of what it should look like. Speaking to each other and uh, to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Amen? Amen. Making melody in our hearts. Man, just if we speak to each other positive things, words of life, His words. We're all being filled. We're we're filling each other. We're helping each other to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? So now... Second Peter, where we were, and we'll be back, I'm sure, several times. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace. Remember now, again, I, I love it when uh, the guests, I want to thank you for coming. I really appreciate you because it allows me to say some of the things all over again that I love to say because these folks maybe didn't hear it. Hallelujah. Grace and peace. Grace grace is synonymous with Holy Spirit. There is, My brothers and sisters, so this is saying to us, if grace was simply unmerited favor, how could unmerited favor be multiplied to individuals if God is no respecter of person? He's not. Grace and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace can be multiplied. Grace and peace could be added exponentially to us. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, the godly nature. We've been given everything that we need to be godly, and even to the extent that we've been given His divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Remember, we've all been dealt the measure of faith. Remember, we were hovering around that scripture, right? We've all been dealt the measure of faith. But now, with that faith, what are we doing with it? Now, here the Holy Spirit through the Apostles is saying, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence. To moral excellence, knowledge. Continue to grow in knowledge. Self-control. Knowing what you know. And now you have divine nature, and you have all of these things, all of these gifts that have that have been given to us, including His divine nature. So now you should be able to. You have help in in with your self control, self control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly affection, loving each other with this familiar affection that we have for one another. Amen. You know, you're my family. You're stuck with me. You gotta love me. But now it's more than that because then you add to that as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been given Holy Spirit so you know it's more than just this this brotherly kindness or this familiar love, this phileo love, to brotherly love, agape, committed, unconditional action. Amen? For these things are yours and abound. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. See, so my brothers and sisters, again, we should not be in a rut because we always need to be progressing. We're always being filled. We're always being filled with the knowledge of God, with Holy Spirit. And He's given us all of these tools and all of these things. We've already studied before that He's given everybody a gift we all have gifts and talents. We all have things that God has given us to do the work that he's called us to do. Because we are not made to please ourselves. We are not made to accomplish things that we want to accomplish. Everybody in here is born again according to the good work that he's chosen for us to do. Amen? And he's gifted us and he's empowered us. He's given, given us the tools that we need to do the work that he's called us to do. Amen? Okay, so I, I know that that's repetitive, but we've got to know that going forward. And again, in 1 Corinthians now chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing and helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Watch verse 31 with me. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, my brothers and sisters, the the, the Spirit of the Lord is telling us that we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, this is not just a, a specific um, gift that you were born with, that God, like some of us, are born singers. Some of us, God has blessed with good singing voices. I happen not to be one of them. That's why they keep my mic turned off during the uh, song service. I'm not one of them. However, as I'm going to tell you, I I, I love people. I'm telling you that even though I don't have a good voice, when I'm singing to the Lord, that's His refrigerator art. And I'm going to explain refrigerator art to you one more time. When your children were making that picture that was barely discernible. You hung it on the refrigerator and you said, oh, how great it was. And you were so proud of it. Well, my singing to God is refrigerator art. It doesn't sound good to you, but he's putting it up on his refrigerator and saying, my son did that. Hallelujah. Amen. And some of you don't look at me like that because you got the same type of singing voice that I do, but God loves it. God loves it. Amen. Amen. So we all don't have the same gifts and talents, but God for sure has given us, given us gifts and talents that we should be using for Him. Amen. He's assigned a work to us before uh, in eternity past. He knew we were going to be here, and He already had work assigned to us. He gifted us. He gave us talents to do those things that He's assigned to us. Amen? But we still have free will. We get to decide whether we want to do them or whether we want to just make money with the gifts that he's given us, or whatever it is that we want to use it for our good and not his, we still get that choice, amen? But look what it says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. What's the more excellent way? Well, you guys know that, because I've already explained it to you, plus you've read the Bible yourself. He goes right into chapter 13 of First Corinthians, which is the love chapter. And he's talking about love is the more excellent way. Love supersedes everything, because God is love. The essence of God is love. And love is relational agape cannot be experienced cannot be seen without action Amen. love is relational so he says that's the more excellent way then right into verse into chapter 14 we see it together again pursue love pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy so watch so what is he saying desire spirit you should earnestly desire honestly intentionally desire spiritual gifts but remember the best way as it relates to anything and everything that has to do with our spiritual walk with God, accomplishing the things that we need to accomplish by God and His Holy Spirit is love. Amen? Amen? Amen. But then again, in 14, pursue love, but, right? And, so we're pursuing love and desire spiritual gifts. I want to push on this just a little bit. My brothers and sisters, I, I have occasion to speak with other brothers and, and who I love dearly and I have fellowship with brothers who are of a different denomination and that's why I'm non-denominational. I want to believe everything the Bible says. And so I continue to have these conversations. I just had a fresh one here recently where a brother literally told me who, who loves the Lord and who God is working through but literally told me that some of the gifts are not for today. Use that word. Some of the gifts. Okay, so now here, I didn't want to get into a big argument. We were actually, our subject matter was on something else. But so now think about this. My next question, and I wanted to go that route a little bit further, would have been, okay, who gets to decide which gifts? Amen. Who decides? Because I've already told you about the one conversation that I had with a brother who told me that tongues aren't for today, but he also said healings. Oh yeah, it happens all the time in our church. Okay, so you're telling me now the same Holy Spirit that is responsible for all of that decided that this one yes, that one no. This one maybe, that no. It doesn't work that way. Because I don't want to be the one who stands in the pulpit or stands in front of anybody of God's people and say this yes, that no, blah, blah. I can't do that. So i got to go by what the Word says. Amen? Okay, so I'm so glad that so many of you in this room, and maybe many of you listening, said amen. Because then you won't have a problem with anything else that I say for the rest of the service, Lord willing. All right, amen, you said it again! (laughs) Okay, Acts 1, I'm going to take you back. Now we're going back to the early church, okay? Acts 1, bear with me please. Now remember, Luke is the one that Holy Spirit is using to, to write this... Acts. And so what he does, he starts in the beginning, or he starts, you know, where Jesus is telling the church, giving the church their marching orders before he ascended back into heaven. And here's how this starts in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. We're going to look at this next verse together. But before that, do you see already this pattern here? Look at what the, the, Jesus has given them instruction. Go tarry in Jerusalem because you're going to receive this promise of the Father. I've already explained some of this to you. I've already told you about this promise, this spirit. I've already told you about John baptizing with water, but you're going to be baptized by me with the Holy Spirit. i already taught you all of that. And so the next thing out of their mouth is what? Are you going to restore the kingdom? Their mind is still about the kingdom on earth, not the heavenly kingdom, not the spiritual kingdom. Oh, come on. See, they're still looking, my brothers and sisters, for total justice and justification here on earth, and experience God's kingdom here on earth as it relates to the physical kingdom. We're going to throw off the shackles of the Romans. We're not going to be subjugated to anybody. We're, God is going to be our king, and we're going to sit here and we're going to rule and reign and with God and you know all of these other people. that can just later for them. It, no, no. See, Jesus. No, no, no. Wait a minute. That's another time, that's another, see, that's not even what I'm talking about. So look at what Jesus says to them uh, now in verse 8. But you shall receive what? Power! You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, at the end of the earth. Did they walk to the end of the earth? No! He's talking about all disciples. He's talking about us. He's saying, you're going to receive power. You can't witness. You cannot be my fruitful witness. You cannot be unless you are empowered to do so. So you need to go to Jerusalem and wait for this promise that I've promised you. So we know what they did. He said, the heck with that, Lord. No. They went. They tarried. They waited in Jerusalem, right? And we don't know, my brothers and sisters, how many started. There were probably a few hundred that started the wait but there were 120 on that day when the Holy Spirit finally arrived. Come on. See, that's the problem. Some of us are, uh, we hear the word of the Lord, and we're all in for it, but it's taken a little bit long, so maybe I need to help God along. You know, Abraham and Sarah did that, didn't they? It's taken God a little bit too long, so we're going to help them along just a little bit, and we see what that caused. Okay, so my brothers and sisters, that's the thing. He said, wait, we have to be disciplined, we have to wait. And there is sometimes in the waiting, man, it gets dark. It gets heavy. That's where our faith is tested. How much do you believe me? How much do you trust me? But my brothers and sisters, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You need power to do this thing that I'm asking you to do. You need to be empowered by me. This is not something you can do in your own strength according to your own intellect, according to what you know, according to how good you are. It, it doesn't work that way. You need to be empowered from the Father. Amen? Look what it re- I want to remind you what it said in 2 Timothy as the Apostles by the Holy Spirit is encouraging another minister. Look at what he says. Therefore I remind you to stir up 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Do you see that? We have two elements here. The gift of God for God has given us not has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And look at the other love. So again, you have love and gifts of the Holy Spirit and His power that are working together to accomplish those things that God has called us to accomplish. See, remember, Timothy's a young pastor. He's a little bit nervous. And so Paul is encouraging him. And he's saying, listen, remember when I laid hands on you and Holy Spirit fell on you? Remember that? Okay, now that gift that was imparted to you when I laid my hands on you, stir that up! Because that was God's power flowing in you to do the thing that God has called you to do. Remember, don't be nervous. Don't be afraid about it, Timothy because that fear that's not from God God hasn't given you that spirit of fear He's given you power, love and a sound mind so go in there with all the confidence everything that you know everything that you've been taught the way that you've been walking even from the time that you were knee high to a grasshopper walk in that have confidence in that don't be shaken in fact let's just don't shake let's stir some of us need to be stirred don't get the James Bond reference you know Hallelujah. See, Jesus is talking to his apostles, his his closest disciples, and, and he's telling not just the apostles, but all of those closest disciples, you need to go there, you need to be empowered, you need to go ahead and not only just experience Holy Spirit power and have these gifts and manifestations, but you need to be able to love. And you can't love like I love unless Holy Spirit empowers you to do it. So, Jesus is saying, go and tarry in, in Jerusalem and wait. You know, in, Je- in John chapter 16, Jesus tells, you know, in, in toward the end of John, Jesus is just telling him, I'm, I'm getting ready to go, I'm getting ready to go, here's what's going to happen, here's what's going to happen. But in John chapter 16, he says, I have many more things to tell you, but you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth! You can't handle it. You won't be able to bear it. But, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. I'm going to spend, send this, And He's going to guide you in all truth. He's going to be the one. My brothers and sisters, if they needed it, they walked with Him for three and a half years, if they needed that, what makes us think that we don't? Hallelujah. So now watch. Here we go. Go back to Acts chapter 2 now. They're waiting. They're tarrying in in Jerusalem. And you know what happens. Uh, The day of Pentecost had fully come. They were with one accord in one place. They were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came sounds from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat on each of them. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, that's the thing. Oh, well, you know. They want, people want to go ahead and, and talk about wow that tongues really wasn't I had one pastor recently tell me they all spoke in Aramaic I shared this with some of you and he, the Holy Spirit did something with their ears why how would that be a miracle they spoke Aramaic already so how would that be a miracle? If they're all speaking Aramaic and God says that he, he, you know, he, he did something and He only did it to the people that were hearing. And I have another question. If they were speaking Aramaic, why were the people, other people that didn't have a heart for God, why were they passing by and saying, "Nah, they're drunk? <laughs> if they were speaking Aramaic. So some people say, well, if we were speaking Aramaic, they were speaking in languages that were of the people that were gathered in Jerusalem, right? All of those from other countries, all the a all those other countries, Pamphylia, blah, blah, blah. You know, all those countries that were gathered in Jerusalem for the holiday. And so now, well, well, God gave them the ability to speak in all those languages. Well, again, why would somebody accuse somebody of being drunk if they could speak in a foreign language eloquently? Why would you accuse somebody of being drunk? If Catherine came in here one day and she started speaking Spanish fluently, and all or any Hispanic folk, man, wow, that's, would they say she was drunk? Now, if Catherine came in here speaking some, some other stuff, he was to ask Catherine. <laughs> no, but you understand, I'm not trying to be funny here, but try to prove a point. So you see, my brothers and sisters, there was a language that was spoken. And that that language that was spoken was a heavenly language. And that heavenly language was understood by everybody around at that time as being praise and worship, giving, magnifying God and His good works. And God got all the Glory. And so we know what happened after that. So now, now all of a sudden, all of these people, they're, they're the, the ones who had a heart after God, who are really seeking truth, all of a sudden, th- their attention is fully on that. Wow, we're hearing them speak the wonderful works of God. And so, what does all this mean? And, 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 and should this be happening? And Peter got up and said, These are not drunk as you suppose. And Peter started, the fisherman, no, listen, not the lawyer not the Pharisee, not a Sadducee, the fisherman got up and started preaching from the Old Testament, Jesus. Right? This was that which was prophesied by Joel and he starts preaching and he, starts, he speaks Joel, what Joel. He has those scriptures right there. Holy Spirit. And boom! Then he speaks out of Psalms and David's messianic prophecy. Boom! And he's speaking it. And then he's relating it. Here's what's happening right here, right now. And he lets it fly, doesn't he? The same Peter who was hiding out just 40 days before the Lord, 50 days before that. That same Peter. He start, he's letting it fly now. Amen? Amen. So then all of a sudden, what should we do? And 3,000 people came to the Lord. The church grew by 3,000 with one sermon. Amen. <sighs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what happens now? This early church, this church's birth, this is the birth of the church. And now we're going to jump down to verse 42 of uh, Acts 2. And they continued, they, the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Upon every soul, this awe, not fear like they're afraid. No, this awe. People were in awe of what was happening. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. And they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Watch. There are a lot of churches. Right now, Christianity is on a decline. Many of us know the statistics. Christianity is on a great decline in our country. Probably worldwide, but probably not in places like the Middle East and in China where it's probably growing. But here's the deal. You notice what it says? It says that the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Some of the bigger mega churches right now are are getting bigger. But they're getting people from other churches. Mostly. Right? So, uh, now, here's the thing. As people are attracted to churches to organizations or to whatever it is and I'm not listen I'm not trying to belittle anybody I'm just saying this says that the Lord added to the church those who were being saved my you know the question has to become then uh, okay yeah we want people to come in so they can hear the word of truth but my brothers and sisters they have to get saved just by virtue of being in the presence of you me That they have to get saved and only God can save them We have to do our part. That's why we have the gifts. That's why we have the talents. So that people see what we have and want that. Then we bring them to church. They hear the word because faith cometh by hearing. They hear a word which matches the the, the things that they're seeing. And they say, I stink on ice. I need to repent. That's what this is. That's, That's what this is all about. So the Lord gets to add to the church daily those who are being saved. But you notice the word daily. It didn't say weekly. Bi-weekly. Daily. Why? Because they were living it daily. Shh. I'd be lucky if i get people to show up four Sundays in a row. Oh, there you go. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. So now look. So this happens. This this Holy Spirit falls. God is... People are in awe. Holy Spirit is filled. There's miracles and signs and wonders. Now, it doesn't take long. Very next chapter. Very next chapter. You all are familiar with this. I love this story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible where um, the, the Apostle Peter and John are going to the temple stop by the gate, beautiful, there's that man that's been laying from his, uh, his birth, and he's begging alms, gold and silver, have I none such as I had, give I thee in the name of Christ Jesus, rise and walk, and the man walks, and they get arrested for it. Basically, they're out there preaching on Solomon's porch, and they're preaching and teaching, and the religious leaders get uh, jealous, they're, they're, you know, they're irate, they arrest them. They hold them over until the next day. My brothers and sisters, You know, I look at what happens in some congregations. Oh, let me say it that way. And because maybe um, a church, maybe, or a group of people may be experiencing some success, um, they look down their nose at people who maybe are struggling just a little bit. You know, or, you know, they're, they're not as open for, you know, people to be part of the congregation, or they'll let you in, but. Keep the distance. Come on. No, that, that's not what this was. No, that's thats not what this was. See, if you look at the religious people of that day, see, that that was all about we have status, we have stature, either we were born into it, we have money, we have power, we have authority because we were born into it, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and because of that, then we get to be the, the ones that have the say so, and so on and so forth no but but God is totally see see that and that's why God chose fishermen they didn't they didn't know they knew they didn't know the people that thought they knew they couldn't be taught and really what happened was it revealed the darkness of their own hearts there's a problem that we even have commonly it's because when we fail to uh, to realize that our righteousness is as filthy rags when we're not all that, or, you know, we may have achieved a high degree of intellect. We've got all of these PhDs and all these letters in front of and behind our name, or we have, uh, you know, we we got that uh, extra house, car, or the vacation home, or whatever. We, we're experiencing some success, and things are going good, so we feel like, hey, it must be going, you know, I, might, I must be doing it right. But we've, fail to remember that we need to stay humble before God and in order for us to stay humble before God, we need to be humble before one another. And not think so highly of ourselves like these guys did and because they did, they couldn't have anybody else saying anything or having an effect on the people. They had to do it. So they arrest them. And there were people that gave, there were thousands of people that gave their hearts to Christ that day. They get held over and then they're uh, held over the next day. We know they're they're standing before the same body that condemned Jesus. And so the only thing that they could do was forbid them because they knew that if they went ahead and executed these guys or arrested them or kept them that there would be a riot on their hands because there was no question about it that a, a legitimate healing had taken place. So they just whooped them, told them don't speak in the name of Jesus and we know that didn't work very well. So, Listen, you guys know the story. John and Peter are released and they go back to the church. Acts 4.31 They go back to the church and they pray a prayer. And they pray this prayer according to the will of God. They are even quoting Scripture as part of their prayer. And they're praying this prayer according to the word of God. And in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. My brothers and sisters, when they prayed that prayer, they didn't pray that prayer and say, Oh God, you know this isn't supposed to happen. Oh God, uh, you know let this not happen anymore. Oh God. No, they were excited. And they were already bold, but they're asking the Lord to give them more boldness. And it says that the place where they were praying, they were assembled together, one mind, one accord, one heart for Christ, for each other. When they were praying, the place was shaken and it said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute. That can't be. Why? They were already baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's just rain, don't worry. Building's not falling. (laughs) They were all baptized with the Holy Ghost already. But the Holy Spirit, they were filled again. See, now again, a lot of doctrines and theologies. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? They'll tell you, when you get saved, you get born again, that's all the Holy Ghost you're ever going to get. Well then, explain that. It can't be. My brothers and sisters, so now watch. We're in a spiritual rut. I'm teaching you right now. Holy Spirit's teaching you right now. If you're in a spiritual rut, it's not His fault. And I'm not here, oh, you, you, you. No. Sometimes we just don't know how. Use the gifts that He's already given you. Start working the works that you already know to work. Start living according to the Word that you already know. You live that Word that you already know. Do the works that you know that you are assigned to do. Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it wholeheartedly. No matter how small it might be, it might be just something as simple as calling somebody who just needs a word of encouragement. It might be just simple as visiting somebody in the hospital, nursing home, or whatever. It might be something very simple that we don't even think much of, but God can use for His glory, and God can use to lift a brother, lift a sister up. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, I, I'll tell you, it's, I, I've had people just shoot me a text. How you doing, brother? Other ministers, shoot me a text. And, hey, how you doing, brother? Thinking of you, praying of you. Man, that lifts me up. Hey, here's somebody who loves the Lord and loves me enough to think of me. He's telling me he's praying for me and shoots me a text about it. That's awesome stuff. I feel good. That energizes me a little bit. Well, Tony, you're just Italian. You know, you're emotional. Well, whatever. You can say whatever you want. All I know is, my brothers and sisters, it works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look, that little thing that you think doesn't mean much, do it. Do it. Because when you do that, look at these guys prayed a simple prayer. They prayed a prayer. They prayed a prayer asking for boldness. They were already bold, but they're asking for more boldness. And the whole and God shook the place. So, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Pray His will. Pray His will. Pray His will for your life. Do what you know to do and continue to pray. Individually. Corporately. Amen? You want to be filled? That's what you do. That will get you out of any spiritual rut, I guarantee you. So now, continuing now with this power this, this power in the church, the, this power is multiplying. It's, it's, gaining, you know, it's gaining wheels. It's, it's, it's going. In uh, Acts chapter 5, I'm going to read, just listen to me, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. See, I'm going to pause there. Because already now it says that a couple of times about the apostles doing the signs and wonders. Because now some doctors or theologies will tell you that all of those signs, wonders, and mighty miracles died with the apostles. Well, that's not so, because we'll get there, and there are other individuals that were just plain disciples that have done it. And I will also say this, there are people in this room who have been in church long enough, you've seen signs, wonders, and miracles, and you know that that's not true. You don't have to be an apostle that God does miracles among common folk, common disciples, those who walk according to his word. Amen? Okay, so, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord on Solomon's porch. Do you see this? Do you see this theme here? Being together, being a church, being one accord. Regularly. Okay, remember that. When Tony, when, you're, when you don't come to church and I shoot you text, you okay? Don't think I'm trying to badger you. I'm just reminding you. Listen, one accord, one place. Alright, okay, so... we yet none of the rest dared join them but the people esteemed them highly and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least a shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them also multitude gathered from the surrounding cities Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were all healed See, it doesn't say that they were all healed, just the ones that landed under Peter's shadow. The church was doing its job. The church was working. The church was praying. They were meeting. They were proclaiming the Word of God and living what they knew. And people were coming in droves from the surrounding cities now, getting the healing. Jesus was gaining fame and glory and honor because of these people just being in one mind, one accord, and acting according to what God had planned for them. Amen? All right. So now what happens is, again, these priests, these people who are jealous, they've got to be the ones, they get uh, jealous and they arrest the apostles. They arrest all the apostles. Acts 5.17 When the high priest rose up all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. So now all the apostles are in prison. An angel appears to them at night and walks them out of the prison and tells them Go into the temple. Okay, wait a minute. That's how we got arrested in the first place. God, am I missing you? Wait, wait, let me change the channel. Wait a minute. Did I hear you right? No, that can't be God. Yeah, thank you, angel, for releasing us. That was God. He didn't want us in prison. But that might not be God to go back to the temple. No. The full, listen, every word is true. And see, that's, that right there, my brothers and sisters, that's what happens with some of us. Including me. You know what? We hear part of the word and we're good with it. But the rest of that word, ooh, I don't know, maybe not so much. See, you're released. You're free. Now go back and do what I've called you to do. And they do it. Hallelujah. They do it. They go back. They start preaching and teaching. They get called back to the council. Right? And the, and the gonna say, wait, they're not there. What? They're not there. Matter of fact, they're in the middle of the temple preaching again. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 29. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought not to. Now they get called back into the council. Excuse me. They get called back into the council and are told not to do this anymore. And so what should we do? We're we're not going to trust you. We're not going to believe you. We're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you. That's basically what he says. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 32 with me. We are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Okay, I want to show you something here. What I have on the line. You see, it has given and obey. Now, if you look at that, if you take that from the Greek, this translated from the Greek, that word is gives. It doesn't necessarily have to be only past tense. That word is widely used. And so, to me, when I read that, it says, to those who obey Him, it doesn't say, obeyed Him. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. And we already know because we see it in the Scripture and we've been told in Ephesians, being always in this process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw the apostles who were already baptized with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They're f- they're praying for boldness and God fills them again with the Holy Spirit. We also see Jesus, Jesus who was born full of the Spirit, gets driven into the desert by Holy Spirit. God drives Him into the desert. He passes the test fulfills every bit of God's Word, comes back in the power of the Spirit, new touch, new anointing, fresh, new, powerful. Amen? Amen. So watch. When I obey Him, He's laying more on me, baby. When I walk according to what I know, He's laying more on me. When I walk away from what I already know, I'm quenching Him. I'm grieving Him. He cannot bless me anymore. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to kick me to the curb, but I cannot grow in the Spirit. I cannot have those things fulfilled which He called me to, to fulfill. Why? Because it takes the power of the Spirit. I want the power. I want. Listen, I want the power of Jesus flowing through all of us like it flowed in that first church. Why? Because I want you to know that you know that you know. When your baby is sick and the doctor can only prescribe medicine, you've got something better than that hallelujah you can lay your hands on that baby and that baby can recover hallelujah because it says it very plainly in the scripture hallelujah they will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover come on man this is awesome stuff but why isn't it happening there I, I, we know hallelujah and see is it see sometimes you know I, I I want to put on my best. Well, friends, uh, the blessing of God is right around the corner for you. It, it, my brothers and sisters, yes, I mean, I'd love to stand here and tell you. And I, I, I am going to tell you this God loves you unconditionally, absolutely, without a doubt. And it's not all doom and gloom. It is not, in fact, it is all yes and amen to those who love Him. And he says, if you love me, just do what I ask you to do. That's plain and simple. If you love me, just do what I ask you to do. And when you're doing, in this process of doing what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to fill you. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. And just when you think you can't handle any more, I'm going to give you more. Why? I have not seen, right? Come on. I can't even imagine... All of those things God has for those who love Him. That's according to Scripture. I can't. So, hallelujah, God. Give me more. Amen? Okay. Jumping ahead. Acts chapter 5 and 40. They called for the apostles to beat so that they could be beaten. After this council meets, so okay, what are we going to do? I mean, again, if we go ahead and we uh, execute these guys, if we kill them, you know, all, we're done. Because there'll, there'll be a riot. There's, these guys are performing signs, wonders, and miracles. Blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen. So look to, to me, with me, uh, excuse me, at verse 41 of chapter 5. So they departed from the presence of the council. Listen, these same guys who were just beaten, they were arrested again for doing the will of God. They were arrested. They stood before the and so they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the sake of Jesus. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching, preaching Jesus as Christ. Watch. They had a job to do. Right? They were called out not for God to be their servant but for them. and that's exactly what they did, isn't it? But they were empowered to do so. Why? Because the more they stuck to what they knew, the more power they received. Hallelujah! God be glory. I'm going to skip ahead. Verse 8, can you hang with me just a little while? It's raining anyway, you can't go there. It's just raining anyway, so just hang with me just a little while. Longer. So now, as we go on, the church is growing by thousands, and people are following, I mean, it's amazing, God, the signs, wonders, and miracles, and all this stuff that's happening, and they're meeting daily on Solomon's porch, and they're preaching and teaching, and now even some of the Jews are believing, and the whole nine yards. So now, uh, at that time, in verse uh 1 of chapter 8. At that time, great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So, so think about this persecution comes now. Why? Because God called them to go to the uttermost parts of the world. They're loving life right there in that Jerusalem area. Right? The Holy Spirit is moving. They're living. They're sharing everything they have. They're enjoying life together. Even though they're having to suffer some persecution, the apostles are, they're still, you know, it's still pretty good. So now persecution comes and they start to scatter. Except the apostles. It says very specifically, except the apostles. I want you to remember that. So now let's look at verses 4 through 8 together. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. You see that? Wait a minute. Wait. How could they preach the word? The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So who who's preaching? Disciples. The people. The people who were just common everyday disciples. Remember, preach the word. Sometimes, listen, preach the gospel. Sometimes use words. You're preaching the gospel every day with your life. Therefore, those who were scattered whenever were are preaching the word. Then Philip. Now, Philip was an apostle. Philip was one of the deacons, remember? And he became known as Philip the Evangelist. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Okay, wait a minute. I thought you said only apostles did signs, wonders, and miracles. No, I didn't say that. You heard that from somebody else. Someone who didn't read this scripture evidently. He was a disciple. He wasn't an apostle. He went and he preached the word. And he did signs, wonders, and miracles. My brothers and sisters, that got everybody's attention. Look at this in verse 7. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. Do you see that? I want to remind you of something. We all studied this together, but I want to remind you of some. Jesus said to them in Mark 16, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Well, what was Philip doing? Casting out demons. Do I need to read more of that? No, you know. You know. So now, back to Acts. One of the chief persecutors of the Christians was Saul, who became Paul. And we know what happened. He's on the road to Damascus. He gets knocked down to the ground. Uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who are you? I don't even know who you are. It's me, Jesus, who you're persecuting. And you know what? It's interesting because where it says, don't you find it hard to kick against the goads? So I really know, I, I really believe in my heart, Paul was sincere in what he believed about God. He was sincerely trying to do his best according to what he knew, the law. He was sincerely trying to serve God as best he knew. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing the Christians. And so he had a call on his life. He was a zealot for God. He had a call on his life. But he couldn't fulfill that call without Jesus and Holy Spirit. So Jesus appears to him. And we know the story. And he gives him instruction. He, Jesus gives him instruction to go and see a certain guy. Simultaneously, he's talking to a certain disciple named Ananias. We'll see in verse 10. And, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias says, Here I am, Lord. He says, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and put his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. So remember, when Jesus knocked him down, he had to blind him physically so that he can give him spiritual sight. And so Saul, the great mighty warrior for God, had to be humbled. And he had to go to a Christian. And not even an apostle. Not even Peter or one of the top three, right? He didn't go to Peter, James, or John. No, he had to go just to a disciple, a regular, sure enough, come on now, come on, don't sleep on me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He had to go to a disciple. He had to humble himself. And he had to go before a disciple. And that disciple had to be obedient to the Lord. He saw it and he said, remember what he said, how he reacted? Wait a minute. Lord, you want me to do what? I heard of this guy. Isn't this the one that's killing us? Don't, Listen. Don't be afraid. I've already I'm I'm speaking to him right now and I've already told him the things that he's going to do great things for my name's sake. He's going to suffer greatly for my name's sake. Just go to this house and blah blah. blah. And it happens. And so what happens is this disciple Ananias, he puts his hands on him and he received his sight all at once. Well, he, but he wasn't an apostle. No, but he was obedient to God. He was obedient to God even risking the f- death. Did you hear what I just... Th- think about this. I, I hope that if, I'm con- if I have this kind of challenge that I can measure up to this challenge. He's telling him, go and visit this guy. You mean the guy that's killing us? Yeah, go. Man, I want to make sure that I didn't have no extra pepperoni or onions on that pizza last night and I'm just having a bad vision. Uh-huh. You, are, you, are you with me? I'm going to say, Michelle, uh, yeah, pray. I mean, this is what I heard and if Michelle says... Wait, the insurance paid? Go. <laughs> okay, okay. No, but do you understand? He had to obey. And because he obeyed, power of the Holy Spirit was able to flow through him. And Paul was healed by a disciple, not an apostle. You have a chance. I have a chance. You have a child, you have a, a loved one who is infirm, a loved one who is sick. Man, go to God. God says, bring him to the elders of the church. Man, if you have faith and you believe, you don't have to bring them to an apostle. This says that these signs shall follow those who believe. Are you in a spiritual rut? Because if you are, you're not going to have confidence in it. Jesus. No, you need to be growing in the Spirit. You need, be, man, you need to be doing what He's already told you to do. You need to operate in the gifts that He's already given you. Amen? So He can continue to bless you. Because listen, I, I want to tell you something. On Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday they're all running together. On Wednesday, I felt moved to share with folks uh, out of First Kings. Was it First Kings chapter 17? Remember the widow of Zarephath? Remember the, the prophet of God? He goes to the wicked king, um, Ahab, and he says, it's not going to rain until I tell it to. Right? Remember that? He went right up to the king. He said, it ain't going to rain till I say so. And then immediately God says, okay, go by the brook, chariot. I'm going to feed you there. I've already commanded the ravens to do it. And I'm not going to tell you everything I said on Wednesday because it was pretty deep. go to the brook Cherith and I'm going to command the ravens to feed you. So the ravens were feeding him twice a day and he was drinking out of the brook. Because of no rain, the brook dried up. He says, okay, now go to Zarephath. There's a widow there. And so he cries out to the first woman that he sees, not knowing whether it's her or not, and says, hey, go and get me a drink. Okay, she gets to go, and, and as she gets to go, and he says, oh, by the way, uh, bring me a cake. Bring me something to eat as well. And she says, well, I'm gathering up these sticks because I've got just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, just enough to cook the last meal for me and my son, and after that, we die. We ain't got nothing else. And he says, okay, just do what I've asked you to do. And what did she do? Oh, wait a minute now, I'm going to take care of my boy first. Nope, nope. she did it. And this is, this is a woman who's not a Jew. She recognized that this was a prophet. This was a man of God. It was a Jew. She knew either by his attire, however he was. She knew who he was. And she said, listen, look. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of mine first. No. This woman who was a foreigner went ahead and took care of what the prophet said. She obeyed the word of God. And we know what happened. He said, it's not going to run out. And it did not run out. Now again, what I shared with the church on Wednesday, and I don't know why I'm here. Somebody needs to hear this. It's not like she went up to the pot and went, wow, look, he was right. It's full now. No, there was that same little bit that was there when she left it. And every day it was that same little bit that was there when she left it. But every day she went back and it never ran out. So now we know what happens, my brothers and sisters. She's living off of this and she's just being obedient to God and then one day her son dies. Yes. And she goes, like so many of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to Tony now. Like so many of me, we say, okay, what in the world, what did I do wrong? Did you come here, man of God? Did you reveal this? Did you do all this so that I can go ahead and feel guilty for my past, for what I've done in the past? Have you brought my past sins upon me now? No, no, no. And so even Elijah cries out to God and says, Listen, God, this woman who's taking care of me, we can't let this evil come upon her. How can we do this? And he jumps on this boy three times, and the life is back in him. My brothers and sisters, listen to me. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. My brothers and sisters, listen act on what you have now because God knows what's around the corner. God didn't make that boy die, but God knew that boy was going to die and God knew that that woman was going to need an Elijah. Hallelujah. So my brothers and sisters, I don't know who you're ministering to right now and I don't know what God is leading you to, but you need to take care of it because God knows what's around the corner. God knows what's around the corner, and He's taking you step by step, inch by inch, because you can only see to it, but He knows around it. Hallelujah! Man, my life can't... This could be the last message I preach. Let it rip! But my brothers and sisters, suppose it's not. I need to be doing what God is calling me to do, inch by inch, step by step, and my brothers and sisters, because He knows what's around there. He knows what's waiting for you, for me. Some of you, uh, praise the Lord, I, I want to thank you again, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I really appreciate you coming. God knew you were going to be here. Those of you who don't attend regularly, God knew you were going to be here today. So, let me ask you something. Is it possible... My brothers and sisters, or strangers, or new acquaintances, new friends. Is it possible that Holy Spirit is trying to nudge you right now because He knows that there's something around the corner and you needed just to get stirred up because you were in a little bit of a rut and you needed to get stirred up because He wants you prepared for what's coming around the corner and you could say, listen, if I don't know anything else, I can call that crazy little Italian guy and he'll pray with me. Amen. Hallelujah. But not just me. Look around you. Man, we have people who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who know this word, believe in this word, and trust in this word. I thank God for this church and this small congregation of people who believe and trust Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm just gonna go. I'm going I got more, but I'm just gonna go ahead and I can keep you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm going to ha- I just wanted to tell you I was going to talk to you about Cornelius Cane- one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he's Italian <laughs> but we're not going to do it because I think Holy Spirit said it all and I think my brothers and sisters if you would stand with me please do we have uh, come on up if the praise team would come back up Whew. hallelujah Listen, I, I, I'm not one for trying to make a spectacle and try to tug on your heartstrings or you know, play psychological games. Uh uh-uh. uh. Anybody who knows me knows me for sure, and it's one of my good points and one of my bad points all at the same time. It's just straight up. Straight up. Listen, straight up, young people, straight up. If you know God is, is dealing with you, and you, you know that this message is for you, and you know that, you know what? I haven't been walking according to everything that I know, but now Holy Spirit is warning me that there could be something around the corner that He's already got me. He wants me prepared for. If you know that, that's you, man. Look, when we're singing this song, please just come up. Let's pray together. Why don't we just pray together? Don't be so proud. You know, let's pray together. Let's do what the Word of God says. Let's pray for one another. I'm not saying, I've got the power and I need to lay a hand on you. No. I'm like you. But I know what the Word says, that when we touch and agree, what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. When we agree, we get in one mind and one accord. Look at what it says there. So I'm telling you, while this song is playing, if Holy Spirit is moving you, don't be shy. Let's come down here and let's pray together. Amen? Amen? Amen. So Tony, if you would.